0: Morning, how we doing? Good. Yep. Morning, good? Great, great, fantastic. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Back into Revelation this week, chapter 13. Um, while you're turning there, a bit of business to bring to you. It's in your bulletin there, but Megan Bousquet is our media assistant. Megan, where are you? Raise your hand. There she is. Megan and Kenan uh, will be moving. In a few short weeks to the great state of Idaho, Keenan has taken a very top secret job there. Uh, do we have one person from Idaho here? Is that what I heard? Yeah. Okay, Gary. Bring it. Bring it, baby. Uh, and we are, if you know that area, we are sending them in a sense, and God has a, a ministry and a mission for them there, and we're excited for them, happy for them. But Megan will be missed on our staff. She's been fantastic. Thank you, Megan, for everything that you've done. Can we thank her for her service to the church? (laughs) We love you guys. We love you, and you become pillars in our church. You've grown so much, so we are truly going to miss you and uh, excited for when you come back and visit, and we can hear how things are going. Um, So, It's a big hole to fill, big shoes to fill, and we think Bailey, Belisario, is the right man to do it. Is Bailey here? There he is. So Bailey will be joining our staff here uh, starting in May. We're excited to have Bailey uh, on the team, and thank you for your faith, brother, to step in and step up. So change in church staff. Let's uh, get into our passage here, Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence, and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people, and by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. and was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast, or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Let's pray. Holy Father, we come to you, the fountain of wisdom. I ask for wisdom this morning. I ask on behalf of my brothers and sisters here for wisdom to know the times, to know that we live in the end, between the times, between your comings, and that we might put on wisdom. You might grant us wisdom to walk in the fear of the Lord to know truth from error, what is from you and what is from the beast. Grant us understanding and illumination into this passage, Lord. For us in our weakness, it's hard. So we ask for your help this morning. We ask that our minds might be focused. We ask that our hearts might be tuned to your spirit and that you would work in us according to your sovereign will. All in Jesus' great name, amen. Quick refresher, where are we here in Revelation? It's been a few weeks. We're at war. That's where we are. The dragon has been defeated at the cross, that's chapter 12, thrown down onto earth. Now he is making war on those who testify to the name of Jesus, that's you. And we need endurance to conquer it. The dragon has two generals that he has deployed in his service. The first beast, talked about last time, came out of the sea. This is raw power, military strength, worldwide false religion. Very loud, very aggressive. We need endurance. There was a call for endurance. Now the second beast, rising out of the earth. John identifies the second beast as the false prophet. In chapter 16, this is the false prophet. This is the dragon's minister of propaganda. The mouthpiece of the dragon. The mouthpiece of the beast. False teaching, deception, subtle moral compromise, economic pressure. And we need wisdom to conquer it. So in some cases, the the great call is endurance. In some cases, the great call is wisdom. I think you read this as a normal Christian, this chapter, and it's a little scary, right? I mean, it's a little, like, intense. Um, 666 just sounds scary. That's just gotten into our minds. We have bad dreams about having to get a tattoo of 666 or else we don't get to eat, you know. I watch those movies too, right? They, They stick with you. If you're a guest, you're like, I picked the wrong Sunday to come here. It's like, all I wanted was a little pick-me-up kind of message, you know, a diet Sprite. I feel like this is going to be a protein shake with some kale. It's just, yeah, it is, because I love you, because I love you. Look at me. Look at me. When we read this chapter, the beast, the mark of the beast, 666. We don't need to freak out. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to come up with strategies and plans and schemes. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? The beast is coming. We don't got to do any of that. All we have to do is be the church. Just be the church. Do what we're doing right now. Worshiping God. This is the strategy. This is the plan. This is what will be effective. All we need to do is be the church. It's actually very simple. You know, worship is an act of war. Singing is napalm. Preaching is a flamethrower. Sunday school, act of war. Life group, act of war. Fellowship hospitality, ground offensive, prayer, air offensive, blitzkrieg, on the enemy, on the forces of darkness. Do you know what Satan is really afraid of? The church, being the church. That's why he wants to move us away and question the Word of God. He can't stop the Word of God. He can't stop it. So all he can do is try to make us question it so we slide and we drift and we move away from the Word of God, that's the only chance he has to even win a battle, let alone the war. So just be who you are. Be solid. Be Bible people. Be orthodox in your doctrine. Explain it winsomely, carefully, effectively. Show people a vision. Show the world a vision of what it means to flourish as a human being because you actually trust and listen to God. Shock and awe them by being a genuinely loving community. This is what Satan is afraid of. This is what he fears most. You know how you engage and affect the culture? Be the church. Be the church. It's really pretty simple. And Praise God you are doing those things. Keep growing in them. Keep being uh, challenged in them. Simple things that if we stay focused on what we're supposed to be doing, if we stay focused on the word, we're going to be fine. We don't need an emergency church meeting to come up with like, all right, who's got a good idea here? What do we do? How do we handle this? Oh, we're in the end times. This is scary. The beast is coming. We don't need to do any of that. And neither did the early church who received this letter. Do you know what they were doing? Praying, meeting for worship, baptizing, taking the Lord's Supper, reading their Bibles, evangelizing, honoring Jesus as Lord, not Caesar. And they marched out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth here in South Dakota. They tried to be the best citizens, the best neighbors, the best parents, the best employees, living simple, quiet, godly lives in this present evil age. That's how you go on offense. That's how you go on offense. So the simple things that you're doing that doesn't feel like it matters or is doing anything is what Satan fears. He wants us to move away from the Bible, and out in the world, he wants us to be obnoxious, discredit ourselves, uh, you know, not show up to work on time. Simple things. Christians should be the best employees. We have every reason to be. The best parents, the best neighbors. Simple things. That's how you go on offense. So don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Don't feel like you have to come up with some new strategy. It's time-tested. This is how. This is what we're called to do. So let's just start there. Take a deep breath. Let's get into the text, and then at the end, I want to talk about a call to wisdom. Touch on wisdom in a few areas. Verse 11, read it with me. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. Now, I know you all remember exactly what I said four weeks ago. And so, I'm probably going to insult you, but um, for the new people, let me just revisit the definition I gave to the beast. The beast is Satan's agent used to oppose God's people. It takes the form of persons, powers, institutions, cultures, religions, philosophies. The beast has come, is coming, and will come. It is transtemporal, past, present, future, existing from Satan being thrown down to earth until Jesus returns. So many forms, many iterations, probably culminating in, in some singular figures at the very end before Christ returns. I won't go into all that, but I just wanted to revisit definition of the beast. It takes many different forms it has over the course of history. I believe and it will continue to. Verse 11, it had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed it performs great signs even making fire come down from heaven in front of people and by the signs and by the signs that it is allowed to work who's allowing it who's allowing it god in the presence of the beast it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. There's something incredible going on here, and I, I didn't get to get to it last time, so I want to get to it this time. Uh, in this chapter and in Revelation, Satan is imitating God. Satan is imitating God. The person that he hates, by the way, the person that just he despises, he is imitating it. He is, it's a parody. He is stealing all God's ideas and using them for himself. Let me break it down for you. Satan, the beast, false prophet, that's a false trinity. Where have you heard about that before? Dragon acts like the father. Beast acts like the son. False prophet acts like the spirit. As Jesus received authority from the Father, the beast receives authority from the dragon. As the Holy Spirit moves us to worship Jesus, the false prophet moves people to worship the beast. Jesus is slain and rises from the dead. The beast is slain and fakes a rising from the dead. God seals his people on their forehead. The beast marks his people on their forehead. In the Old Testament, God's people had his word on their hand beast marks his people on their hand. The true prophet Elijah called fire down from heaven. The false prophet calls fire down from heaven. True prophets receive their calling in the presence of the Lord. The false prophet receives his calling in the presence of the beast. The number we can assume of perfection for the Trinity is 777. The number of the beast is 666. Ridiculous. He just steals all God's ideas. He's a fake. He's a fraud. Cannot create, only can copy, cannot invent, only can steal and rebrand. Satan is just a bad cover band. He is. Uh, when we were dating in college, Carrie. Um, Got, me, got us tickets, surprised me to go see a Beatles cover band. She knew the way to my heart. It's a strange journey to get there, but uh, she knew that's what I would love. So we went to see this Beatles cover band, and they were impressive. They were good. Like, okay, period-specific instruments, costumes, you know, one song, they're in the help outfits, and then they're in the Sgt. Pepper stuff. And they even kind of looked like the Beatles, which is a little weird for me. Just doppelgangers, you know, it's like, you really look like John Lennon. That's just weird. And they were impressive. They were good. But they weren't the Beatles. They weren't the Beatles. I think their name was the Rudels or like the Fab Faux, F-A-U-X, you know, that kind of thing. Remember that about Satan. Respect his power, but don't respect him too much. He's just a bad cover band. He's trying to cover all God's greatest hits, but it's a weak, cheap, empty imitation. I just find that fascinating. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. The person that he hates and is trying to oppose and is making war on, he's copying him in like everything. He wants everyone to worship him. Who, who also commands everyone to worship? It, it just, I could go on. And when you read the book, you start to see it in Revelation, that everything associated with Satan, even the horns and the, 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 the diadems, and it's all copy. Your God, if you're a Christian, your God, the Almighty, He is the truth. He is the source of all goodness. Your God is the source of all beauty. Your God is the source of all wisdom. Your God is the source of all grace. Your God is the source of all power. Your God is the source of all all joy. Your God is the source of all unity and diversity. He is love. He is truth. He is the source of all justice. He became like you. He died for you. He is sovereign over you. He rules for you. That is your God. And he is your God if you are in Christ. You have gone to the source of all goodness. You're not settling for anything else. And don't settle for cheap imitations. Go to the source. Don't settle for substitutes. Go to the best. As Lewis said, we are far too easily pleased. And Satan's counting on it. Satan is counting on it. He twists, he perverts, he dilutes. He, he defiles, he bastardizes everything that God does good. That's all he's got. And when something bad happens in your life, when, when you're hurt or a church hurts you, what does Satan say? I didn't do that. God did that. You can't trust him. He's not good. The bad things are from him. The good, fun things are from me. That's a lie. If you're not a Christian, here's what I would say to you. You're settling. You're settling. And I know some of you in this room right now, that's where you are. You're settling for half-hearted, half-baked pleasures. Settling for making mud pies in a slum when God offers you a holiday at the sea. Don't settle. Don't settle. You don't have to. Listen to me. Come to the source of life. His name is Jesus. And I promise you in his name that if you admit you are a sinner and you ask him for forgiveness and you trust in his name, you will be saved. And you'll have peace come into your life like you've never felt before. You don't have to settle for a life of fear and guilt. For not knowing what's going to happen when you die. You don't have to settle for that. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Verse 15. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak. and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes or coerces all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, so all social classes, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. So let's talk about the beast. What is it? It is a symbol of spiritual ownership. It is a symbol of spiritual ownership. It is a mark of spiritual allegiance. It is not a literal physical mark. Everybody hear that? It is not a literal physical mark, it is not a tattoo. It's not a brand, it is not a chip to track you. It's none of those things. Just like God's seal on your forehead is a spiritual seal, we don't have G-O-D on our forehead tattooed. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? We didn't slip something in your coffee this morning, other than coffee grinds maybe, but to, you know, get the mark, the seal of God into you, I mean, it's not a physical thing. And I know that in part because in the next verse, in chapter 14, John brings up the seal of God. Now, we all understand that's a spiritual seal of protection, of ownership, of allegiance. The mark of the beast is the parallel to that. It's spiritual, not physical. Who gets the mark of the beast? Only those who don't love and serve Jesus. I need you to hear this clearly. If you love and serve Jesus, you cannot receive the mark of the beast. If you love and serve Jesus, you cannot receive the mark of the beast. Can't happen. I know many Christians were concerned that the COVID vaccine, this is the mark of the beast. I can tell you biblically, that's not true. Or, or whatever, you know, fill in the blank, whatever you think, whatever the next thing that people are telling you, that's, this is what this is. Uh, number one, it's not physical. It's not something that can get in your bloodstream. It's spiritual. It's your spiritual allegiance, something you can't see. Number two, you cannot receive the mark of the beast involuntarily, accidentally. Like I thought I was getting a flu shot and they gave me the COVID vaccine. Do I have the beast mark of the beast now in me? Am I going to hell? What's happening? It can't happen. This is something you willfully choose. I'm going to follow Jesus or I'm not. That's it. It can't happen accidentally where you didn't even realize that oh no, I have the mark of the beast. That's not how it works. That's not what the Bible teaches. The only way to be marked by the beast is to reject Jesus, period. I need you to hear that. So when it comes to this, the mark of the beast, you don't got to worry about big pharma, big tech, okay? Maybe worry about them for other reasons, you know, be good citizens, be wise, all that, but not when it comes to the mark of the beast. Bill Gates can't change your heart and make you have allegiance to Satan. It just can't happen. So I hope that puts everyone's mind at ease a little bit because there's a lot of so-called pastors, so-called teachers out there uh, who really are trying to capitalize on fear. They will tell you, (laughs) you this is it. This is the secret. I've figured it out. Okay, the mark of the beast is the vaccine. You know what happens when when they do that? A lot of clicks, a lot of likes, a lot of donations, a lot of followers. It benefits them. It doesn't benefit you. It benefits them. I got an email this week. I I shouldn't even have looked at it, but I did. And the secret of Revelation revealed. Of course, I clicked on it. That's where most of my sermon is coming from this week. You know, you guys, it's a busy week. You've got to do what you got to do. At best, it's sloppy Bible teaching and bad theology. At worst, it's evil. It's deceiving even the flock of God and stirring up fear. And I've talked to people over the last couple of years, and I'm just good saints that, that have been taken in. This is why we teach on it. This is why we want you to know the truth. What about the right hand or the forehead? What does that mean? Forehead represents the mind, the way you think being aligned with Satan. The hand represents your works, your deeds, carrying out what you're thinking in your works. If you're not a Christian, if if you're not with Jesus, then this is you. You're thinking, your mind is darkened. Namely, you're sinning. You cannot please God. That's what it means. What about 666? It's hard to know exactly what John's doing here. Um, I hold my conclusions with an open hand in this case. Um, I'm not 100% sure. The early church understood it. I know that. They got it, um, whatever exactly it is. One thought over, the, over church history has been to associate 666 with specific people. So, for example, Nero Caesar um, would be associated with Nero, 666. And in the ancient world, they had a practice called gemetria, which gave a numerical value to each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So, names that would add up to 666, this, this was often thought, like Nero Caesar does, to be we're talking about and I think that's possible that's possible you've had a number of people who you could do the math and you could okay their name adds up to that but given the symbolic nature of numbers in Revelation that we've talked about a number of times I think more likely 666 refers to incompleteness imperfection persons who embody the anti-God spirit of the beast but are not God In a way, they're close, they have power, but they're not God. If seven is the number in the book and in the Bible of of completeness, of perfection, six is the opposite. The beast, whatever form it takes, it's an imitation. It's trying to be God. It's trying to be 777, but it's 666. So I don't think this is a math problem that you need a calculus degree to solve. I don't think it's a mystery where you got to get out the red yarn and the pushpins and go in your garage. I don't think that's what John means when he says this calls for wisdom. I think it requires wisdom to recognize the manifestations of the beast and be alert, be aware, be discerning, be wise. So I want to talk about wisdom. A few areas to think about that I think we need wisdom, and there's so many. I mean, I... <laughs> This was difficult, just narrowing it down to a, a couple things because my mind just exploded with like 20. Um, there's only two. So The first thing to, to understand is that evil takes different forms in different places. Are you tracking with me on that? Okay. In certain parts of the world, the church is attacked in much more obvious ways. Like we're going to throw you in prison if we find out you're a Christian. We're going to drag you from your home. We're going to destroy your life. We're going to destroy your family. You're not going to be able to meet like this, okay? you got to meet in secret. you got to meet in the middle of the night because if we find out you're meeting for worship and you haven't sworn allegiance to the state church, you're going to jail. Now, that's more like the first beast, raw power, frontal assault. And we're very aware of that kind of persecution and that kind of danger, and we're on, we're on alert for it, and that's good but understand, that is not mainly how the beast is working in our context. It's much more subtle. It's much, much quieter. Whispering to you, working through pleasures, money, social approval, economic pressure, false teaching. Go along. Get along and you'll go along. Things will go better for you. If you just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. And it's almost imperceptible. It's not loud. It's not in your face. It's just in the air. You have to recognize that. That's the first step to wisdom. Evil doesn't always look the same way. So let me give you a couple areas. Number one, wisdom in TV, movies, screens, entertainment. Just a powerful, powerful medium, and we are inundated with it. Our kids are inundated with it, obviously. And like most of you, how many of you, let me ask you a question. How many of you have a water filter in your home, some kind of water filter for your drinking water? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, most of you do. You need a spiritual filter like that in your mind. You don't want to drink harmful things in your water, okay? You don't want to let harmful things into your soul. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10 are so fitting. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. In other words, if partaking in... Something in creation is not obviously sinful or forbidden. It's permitted. Okay? If it's received with thanksgiving, it's, it's not forbidden. Good. Great. But it may not be helpful. It may not be helpful to you or the people around you, your family, to make you into a more mature Christian person. It just may not help that. It may be permissible. We can't say, that's sin. Stop doing that. We may say, is it helpful? Is it building up? So a couple thoughts here. So I know the, the numbers, Carrie's like the numbers are confusing. So under number one, we got a number one, okay? Always chew and spit. Number one, always chew and spit. Whatever movie, video, TV show you consume, you have to chew it. What's good here? What tastes good? What doesn't? and then you spit out the bad. Swallow the good, spit out the bad. you got to filter it with the Word of God. What the beast wants you to do is to consume things uncritically. You tracking with me there? Uncritically, without thinking. And, and, man, many, like most people and many Christians do this. They just accept things without really thinking about them. And you're affected, just like by what you eat, you are affected. And you don't think, well, oh, you know, it's got this actor, I like him, that's no problem. Oh, it's an action movie, I like action, no problem. It's on Disney+, Plus. no problem. It's a cartoon, no problem. Cartoons are for kids, they're fun, right? No problem. Never accept anything uncritical. My family left the TV on all the time when we were growing up as kids, so that's what we're doing. Whoa, back up. Back up. We need to chew on that a little bit more. Why are you doing that? Why is the TV on all day? What what are the effects of that? Is that helping make you and your kids more like Jesus or less like Jesus? What is that exposing you to? What is going in? We have to think critically. We have to think carefully. And sometimes you might spit the whole thing out. There's nothing helpful here. And we make mistakes. We think, oh, this is, you know, we read it reviews, we do all the, the research, and then, and then it's like, oh, this is not good. Okay, you spit it out. You're not going to get it perfect, but you're always thinking according to God's Word. Sometimes you might spit out just a little bit. It's like, well, this was pretty good. This was helpful, uh, good themes, well-made Showed the consequences of th- of sin. Listen, LGBTQ is not going away, folks. And and when it does, if it does, it'll be the next thing. Next manifestation. And, th- and there are more coming. There are more out there. I just picked that one because it's prominent. We have to think. We have to teach our kids to think. We have to help them with it. For us... our our family, blatant endorsement, Um, blatant normalizing of something that God says is wrong, we draw the line. So one of our kids had a birthday party that they were invited to, and the main event, the main thing the birthday party was about was a Disney movie that I would say normalized um, an LGBTQ ideology. And we had to say no. And we had to talk through that. We had There were tears. And we had to explain why. Why? Not because we're trying to hide them from the world. Not be- because we're trying to separate from the world. That's impossible. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to be wise. And to know, okay, they're really impressionable. And that medium is very powerful. So... Our consciences are going to be different on some of these things. That's okay. But you have to think about it. As opposed to, oh, it's a Disney movie, it's a birthday party, no problem. Now for us, uh, a a kiss between two men at the end of Beauty and the Beast, not a deal breaker. Okay, Daddy, why did the two men do that? Okay, let's just use that as as an opportunity to sit down and talk about it. Here's what's going on, kids. Here's what God says. Do you understand that? What questions do you have? You have to engage. You have to get equipped. You have to talk about it. Number two, under TV, screens, videos, redeem your downtime. Redeem your downtime. This is where I think we let our guard down, and, and the enemy knows that. How much time every day, every week is given to screen entertainment? And just think about that this week. Be honest with yourself. How much time versus how much time is given to playing? Adults, I'm talking to you. You have to play. You have to engage your senses. You can't just sit there (laughs) and watch stuff. That's, That's like a passy. You just go home and put in the passy and suck on it for five hours. That's what the enemy wants. How much of your time is given to higher forms of rest? What do I mean by that? Making things, baking things, (laughs) growing things, creating things, learning things. This is good rest. You're not working, but you're actually being refreshed. You're actually doing things that stimulate your mind and your body. How much time is given to higher forms of escape? You have a long day, you need to escape. Trust me, you do. But what are you escaping to? What are you escaping to? Binging a season of Love Island? Hmm? Maybe permissible by a thread. I mean, I don't want to... Anybody watch that? I don't want to make you feel too guilty. But probably not helpful probably kind of garbage, binging three hours on TikTok, you know, like this, you will get scoliosis. You will get carpal tunnel. You will become more anxious. You will become more depressed. You will lose friends. You will become less intelligent. That's not me being a cranky 41-year-old. That's them's the facts. Okay. We, they've been around long enough, we're studying these things. Okay, They're, It's coming out. Non-Christians are saying, please stop. Don't do this. We have uh, 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 guidance counselors, we have uh, psychologists, we have biblical counseling. They all have uh, waiting lists 100, 200 deep because of screens. I mean, yeah, we all have problems, we all need counseling on some level, but Really? You're 14 and, like, life is terrible. I'm looking at your parents. They're pretty good. Family's pretty good. What is it? This is what these things are designed to do. And and I'm not saying a phone is bad inherently, but understand the beast works through these things. Don't even get me started on what the kids are watching at the community center. I can't even. I walk past there, it's like, You know, a cartoon acid trip created by a secular fool with ADD. You know, like I just see it. I walk past. I see them, the kids sitting there, and I just pray for them. Lord Jesus, demonstrate your power right now and blow this television up. (laughs) I pray, Jesus, in your mercy, you bankrupt the Disney Channel. I pray it. Cartoon Network, bankrupt them. Destroy Deliver these children from the beast. I mean, we're joking, but I'm not joking. It's not good. Great art, great leisure, great escape reveals something true about the creator. It reveals something about the author of reality. I would recommend to you Ken Meyer's book, All God's Children in Blue Suede Shoes, fantastic book. Um, He says this, related to what we're talking about. Great art reveals something about human nature because it is forced to conform to created reality. It selects its material according to the demands of the author of reality, not according to the needs imposed by marketing departments or TV ratings. Following me? If you want to know a great music, great book, great movie... Um, the the, the greater that it conforms to the author of reality to God himself and what he has revealed and what he has done, the better it is but so much of what we consume has nothing to do with that it was cooked up in corporate headquarters in a boardroom by people sitting around saying "Okay, what do people want, what do they like what's going to get better ratings they don't care about you So you have to discern. You have to filter. Not mainly is this popular, is everyone watching it, but does this movie show music reveal something about the author of reality? Does it move you into the tragic and the transcendent? Does it move you into betrayal and forgiveness? Does it move you into sacrifice and love and friendship and hope and despair? That's the Bible. That's the Bible. You know, Bach does something that Katy Perry doesn't. No offense to all the Katy Perry fans. I'm sure there's a ton in here. All you men, I know you love her. But Bach is better. Mm -hmm. The Shawshank Redemption does something to you that Transformers doesn't. I'm sorry, ladies. I know you love Transformers. It's It's not as good. It does not conform to the author of reality in the same way. So if you consume TV, media, music, movies that are the artistic equivalent of a Twinkie, guess what you'll become? A Twinkie. We're in Revelation, people. It's, it's symbolic, okay? It means you, you, you're going to be more moldable, shapeable by the enemy. You're not going to be solid in your faith. Okay, number two, lastly, wisdom in the workplace Clearly from the text, we can tell the beast is applying economic pressure. You cannot buy or sell. This is economic pressure. Unless you conform, unless you do what everyone else is doing, you may not have a job. And you guys are dealing with this. You're having to make these decisions in real time, in your professions, in your jobs, and it's going to get stronger. And Satan's going to whisper to you, You don't want to lose your job, do you? You don't want to lose your job. It's not that big a deal to wear a rainbow T-shirt. It's not that big a deal to go to the pride event the company is having. Doesn't God tell you to provide for your family? That you must do that. You don't want to lose your job. He just whispers, subtle. Pressure. If you don't sign this pledge, people are going to think you're hateful. You don't think Jesus wants that, do you? He doesn't want that. Shh. Just go ahead. It'll be fine. It'll be better. The way you prepare for those moments of decision. Is by being a part of this. And this. Helps you. To be strong. In your trust. That the Lord loves you. And will provide for you. And will take care of you. You just follow him. The fear of the Lord is. The beginning of wisdom. And that means trust. That means trust. If you trust the Lord, he will take care of you. And the heat's coming. The pressure's on. And you're going to feel it. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. That is wisdom. No matter what happens, trust him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your good word today. Lord, we we feel sometimes inadequate to handle it. I know I do, but we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your spirit. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that they would respond now confessing the truth that no matter what happens, no matter what Satan does to them, it is well. It is well for us if we are with you. Thank you for holding us, keeping us, sealing us, protecting us, writing our names in the book of life so that they cannot be blotted out. Our hope is not in ourselves, it's in you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.